I'm Hunter. And I'm Clay. And you're listening to episode four of The Good Fight. Today's episode is brought to you by Pierce Designs. You can find Scott or Tara Pierce online, uh, Facebook, probably the easiest way to do it. Pierce Designs, anytime you need a gag shirt, anything design like that for a birthday party, jokes, uh, they've got you covered. They can hook you up with the design. So you can find them again on Facebook. Back to the podcast itself. We're going to kick things off today with college football. Clay, take us away. Yeah, so the big news uh, coming over this last week since our last podcast is the Urban Meyer suspension. Suspended three games. Uh, there's some that think that is too strict because it, it's delaying on the question of did he was he in the wrong? Because if he was in the wrong, it seems like it should be a lot more than three games. If he wasn't in the wrong, why suspend him at all? It kind of seems like a slap on the wrist for something if he was in the wrong, and I'm just uh, interested on your take. Well, it doesn't seem like something that's surprising to start off with. I think that it was very clear that he did something wrong, that he lied to the media when he was out talking about it and saying that he didn't know anything about this domestic violence when in fact he knew about it the whole time. He made repeated comments about not wanting domestic violence you know, in and around Ohio State, that he didn't accept it when the whole time he knew that he had a abuser on his staff. And then when he came out for his statement at his press conference when they first suspended him, he didn't really make an apology. And then the next day he issued a statement that just went out. He didn't say anything. It was a written statement. And I think the best take I had from him, I think it was Ian Rappaport, just said, you're right, Urban, you should have said that yesterday. Like, it just seems he's not sad about it. Nobody's going to remember this when Ohio State is successful throughout the season. And if this was any other coach that didn't have a 900 win percentage, they wouldn't still be there. And I think that's the hard part with it right now is it just goes to show that all they care about is winning at the college football level right now, especially in D1. And uh, that's hard where that's a point that's so influential on building young men and building men of character and to see someone's win percentage overshadow maybe some bad decisions and the fact that you know all this proved that if you have a 900 winning percentage you'll get a slap on the wrist uh, regardless of kind of how you handle situations and the craziest thing about it is is a three-game suspension but all he misses is game day so he's still going to be around the team he's still going to be there at practice helping out all week doesn't really seem like too much of a punishment yeah urban meyer is not good fight approved anyway uh, on a happier note for the most part, D1 college football is kicking off this weekend. Football is back. The Badgers are going to be back in action this Friday. They're playing Western Kentucky. Their three non-conference games aren't against any you know big-time opponents. I think they also play BYU, and I'm blanking on the third. But they should have a cakewalk, at least against Western Kentucky. Yeah, the top-ranked team playing on Friday, Wisconsin at number four. At home, Camp Randall's going to be buzzing. There's going to be some jumping around, I'm assuming. A lot of good time there at Wisconsin, and I think a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of points given up. Uh, Not the strongest way to start with some other marquee games throughout the week, but again, you're still facing an opponent who's usually a bowl game contender, and if Wisconsin can win their Big Ten games in the tough conference, there's no reason that their non-conference should hurt them too bad. Yeah, and again, they've got four preseason All-Americans. Their guards, Jonathan Taylor and then T.J. Edwards on the defensive side of the ball. Jonathan Taylor is a top three betting candidate to win the Heisman this year, so hopefully he starts it off with a big game on Friday. Yeah, I'm hoping to see him get over 100 yards in the first half, maybe get a few carries in the third quarter and right off into the sunset on that first game. So for all you other fans out there that aren't always focused on Wisconsin outside of the state, there are some other big games. That game, of course, happening on Friday, the biggest game of that night. Saturday, two key top 25 matchups. Washington and Auburn will be playing a neutral zone game at 2.30 in Atlanta. 
Uh, that's number six versus number nine, so a top 10. First top 10 game of the year, so that's a big game coming up. Also, rivalry is back. Number 14, Michigan at number 12, Notre Dame. Cheapest possible ticket right now is the highest of any college game on the weekend at $275 in South Bend. That's a 6.30 p.m. night game on Saturday. So excited to see how that one turns out. And then Sunday and Monday both have some key matchups as well with number eight Miami and number 25 LSU, another top 25 ranked matchup, playing a neutral site game in Arlington, Texas. Uh, hopefully probably trying to see some Texas recruits while they're there. And then Monday to finish off the opening weekend, number 20 Virginia Tech at number 19 Florida State. That's one of my most underrated rivalry games and really excited to watch that. So I know that Carroll College was back last week, but D1 football is back this week with the NFL soon following up after that. But we'll have that to watch this weekend. Pretty excited to see how they turn out. And speaking of the NFL, we're going to jump into news there. Biggest development, I guess, across the NFL. Today, Odell Beckham Jr., for wide receiver for the New York Giants, just signed a monster five-year, $95 million contract extension with $65 million guaranteed. For a wide receiver, it's the most overall money and the most guaranteed. So the most money per year and the most that, regardless of if he gets cut or not, that he's going to have in his pocket. Well, I think what was interesting, uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, they were trying to find a comparison for him on what his contract would look like. And it was reported that the team was looking at trying to sign him to a Sammy Watkins type deal. And um, this is a much bigger deal than that, as Hunter alluded to, that this is you know the most money guaranteed to a wide receiver. And... Uh, he's going to be making a little bit more than Sammy Watkins, and I'm thinking that the Giants are hoping that he makes a lot bigger impact on the team than Sammy Watkins will as well this year. Well, through four seasons, he's gone to three Pro Bowls, last year being the lone exception because he broke his ankle. But short of his injury shortened time, he's putting up Hall of Fame numbers, and there's no reason to think that he won't bounce back. So it seems to be worth it. Well, and I think one of the biggest things he's remembered, of course, for the one-handed grabs and all the YouTube videos and things like that, but he's just an every-down wide receiver that gets the job done. And he's so much more than just the simple flash of those big plays. And I, yeah, I think he's worth every penny, hopefully, as you said, if he stays healthy. Moving on to our favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Go back, go. Obviously, they played on Friday, and it was a late game, 9.30 kickoff. So not many people saw the whole game, and a lot of people didn't watch the game at all. But of the news of it, they lost 6-13 to to Oakland. One notable thing was that Oren Burks didn't see the field. He had a shoulder injury prior to the game. Mike McCarthy has said that it's not expected to be a long-term deal, and the MRI he underwent said it wasn't too serious. But we're not sure when he'll be back or if he'll be back for week one, so that's something to keep an eye on. And then another big thing that happened in warm-ups was the Jordy Nelson-Aaron Rodgers reconnection for a couple passes. I know that was kind of a feel-good but also a sad moment for Packers fans, having to watch that and know that it might not ever happen again in a Packers uniform. But other than that, Aaron Rodgers quiet, as we expected, not playing. The two quarterbacks that did play, Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley, came out. Deshaun Kaiser throwing more passes and more completions with a lower completion percentage, though, 11 for 23 for 120 yards, while Brett Hundley went 8 for 14, just over that 50% mark on completion percentage and throwing for 78 yards. What's your take on that? Well, it was a tough night for both the quarterbacks with the offensive line play. They got hammered all night. You didn't have the top guys playing. Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari weren't out there. Most of the Packers starters sat, but it makes you worried. If anything happens to their top tackles, they're going to have to find some help or they're going to have to keep tight ends and running backs into block. Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers might be down for the count again. Well, and I think that's one of those things that's kind of been an issue over the years for the Packers. We always have such great top talent 
on the offensive line without the backups when injuries do come up. So uh, it's one of those things where you hope we're healthy, you hope the O-line stays healthy and everything goes according to plan, but definitely hoping to add some depth there maybe as the year goes on. Yeah, David Bakhtiari might be the second most valuable player on the team because without him, Aaron Rodgers is going to be in some trouble. He keeps him up, especially from the backside. So that's a guy that we can't overstate his value. While we're sticking with the offense really quick, Jamon Moore led the way with four receptions, 62 yards at the wide receiver. We did not see some of the other names that have been notable the last few weeks. Kumaro had a shoulder injury against the Steelers and that held him out this week. Hopefully he'll be back. Obviously he had those two ginormous games to start off the preseason and as he's working to earn a roster spot, whether or not he can get back on the field and get back to action is going to have a big impact on that. Jamon Moore had struggled with drops so big deal for him to lead the team with 62 yards and led the team in targets as well. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling both didn't catch any of their targets. Again, with only scoring six points, not a lot of highlights on the offense, but defense did only give up 13 points, looking good again. Reggie Gilbert with another sack, three tackles and one assisted tackle as well. So good to see him continue to develop and continue to prove and not just be kind of a one-game preseason guy. And just it's been fun to watch him. I just love the energy he brings. I've talked about him a couple weeks in a row, and he's been my favorite guy to watch on that defense. Yeah, he's absolutely locked up the top backup pass rusher, so an outside linebacker, and makes you feel a little bit better about their depth. Granted, you would have hoped that some of their draft picks panned out a little bit more, but at least there's somebody behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry that looks like they're capable of rushing rushing the passer, at least on spot-up occasions or on passing down. So that'll be good to see when the regular season comes around. The other highlight that we had is Jair Alexander recording an interception. He let up a pretty big pass on the first drive, but didn't let that get into his head, and he showed that swagger and that confidence. Josh Jackson also looked pretty good, so feel good about those corners, and when they get back out there with Kevin King, it's going to be a trio of young guys who look pretty good. Well, and it's interesting, too. You look at the stat line, and to um, to the eyes of a non-football person, you go, oh, he had zero tackles. He had z- This guy had zero tackles, all these DBs. But usually, if your DBs are having zero tackles, that means that your front seven is getting the job done. So I think the D-line and linebackers did such a good job that the passing game didn't have to worry too much about making too many tackles. And hopefully that means they're getting breakups and, as we pointed out, an interception from Jair Alexander. So some of the stats can kind of be deceiving if you don't really understand what's going on or didn't watch the games. But I think, like you said, I think our corners and our depth there hopefully is pretty solid going forward. And then, of course, we can't forget to mention our boy, J.K. Scott. When your offense struggles, that's sometimes a good thing for your punter. Having seven punts, 320 total yards, and averaging over 45 yards a punt, uh, between him and Mason Crosby, our special teams is looking as solid as ever. Yeah, obviously we're big fans of J.K. Scott. We talked about him last week, but there's a reason that they drafted him as a punter. He's got a, a big leg, a lot of hang time, and 45 yards a kick would be phenomenal if he could hold that up over a full regular season, so we'll hope he keeps it going. Also in Packers news, they traded for Antonio Morrison, linebacker from the Colts. They traded Lindsey Pipkins, who was undrafted a year ago, played in 12 games, for the team with all the injuries they suffered at cornerback. They also had Lindsey Pipkins operating with a third and fourth team defense so far, so it's not a big knock to the defense. Obviously, they've got a lot of guys ahead of him. Antonio Morrison was actually taken six picks ahead of Blake Martinez. He played outside linebacker in a 4-3, so in a 3-4, he's going to slide in. And if Oren Burks is not ready for week one, Antonio Morrison will probably start. He led the Colts in tackles last year with 109 and looks like a pretty solid pickup. Yeah, and for all those that have been following the trade rumors and just see the word linebacker pop up, getting a guy like him 
as an inside linebacker will not affect the way we might still approach a future Khalil Mack trade possibly as Packers fans so don't think that this was their way of saying we're not interested in that one and that we're set in stone but I like getting some depth at the inside back that's such an important position and one of those positions that you do see in the NFL where uh, number twos get some of the most playing time on the defense so I think it's important to have some depth there and hopefully again with Burks coming back healthy having three that you can roll through there pretty significantly helps our defense all the way yeah he's a pretty solid replacement for Jake Ryan so I think that Packer fans can feel pretty good about that trade. Regarding Khalil Mack, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, The other trade rumor that's been out there is with Randall Cobb. It was reported that the Packers were shipping him. Uh, Just real quick here, we're going to let anybody know who did read that, that that's not true. There was some teams, it's not reported who, but a few teams did call about Randall Cobb, inquiring about trading for him, and the Packers shut those down. So any team is going to take trade calls, but it's not like they're shopping or trying to get rid of them. So he's going to be the number two guy this year. Yeah, and you can't blame teams for looking. I mean, obviously, look at what Randall Cobb does for the Packers, but that doesn't mean the Packers would ever try to get rid of him. It's just simply that other teams are interested in our depth and our talent. Moving on, sticking with Wisconsin, we're going to talk about the Brewers a little bit. They did have a pretty exciting game the other day, winning in the 15th inning on a walk-off. They let up two runs in the 15th and then nailed in three to take the W that day. But overall, they're still struggling a little bit. I mean, it kind of seems to be like a broken record. They're always at that 500 level right now recently. They were you know, 4-6 and six one week in their last 10, 5-5 five and five now in this last 10. Uh, they're sitting four and a half games back of Chicago, got hopped in the standing since our last podcast by St. Louis Cardinals. And they are half a game behind them for that first wild card spot. Still sitting in that second wild card spot, one game ahead of Colorado. But again, we're as Milwaukee Brewers fans know, this is kind of a theme every year that they're sitting pretty and then down the stretch kind of just slowly ease off the gas and kind of get to that play to hopefully hopefully not lose rather than going out aggressive and playing to win. So they're playing it safe right now, sitting at that 5-5 five and five in the last 10, but hoping they hang on for that wild card spot. Yeah, so we could see the NL Central send three teams to the playoffs if the Brewers, Cardinals, and Cubs make it. But right now the Brewers, like Clay said, they're one game up on the second wild card. And if they can maintain, they'll be all right. But if the play continues like it's been, that might not last for long. Moving on to the good fight portion of today's podcast. A little bit different than past uh, good fight portions. We want to send up our prayers and condolences to all the victims of the Madden shooting that happened this week. For those of you who don't know, there was a Madden tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, and one of the competitors, after losing a game, opened fire. I believe it's 11 injured, two dead, and then turned the gun on himself. So prayers out to all of them. We also want to mention, in particular, Timothy Anselimo. He is a member of the Bucks 2K gaming team. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the NBA 2K League, it's uh, five or six players per team and they play NBA 2K competitively. Each team's got their own representative. He was the Bucks' leading scorer. He went under the moniker O'Leary. But the relevant part, I guess, my first thought when I saw that his name was mentioned, I had actually been uh, talking with Tim and trying to work out an interview to talk about uh, the Bucks' 2K league. Um, So it was the closest I've ever been to anybody who's gone through something like this. He ended up being okay. Uh, He's undergoing surgery. He got shot in the hand, I believe, and his mom posted some updates on Twitter. But our prayer goes out to all those guys. Uh, We hope that they're all right, and we're hopeful that for people who are making a career out of playing video games that an injury to a hand or something like that doesn't derail what they're able to do with their career. Well, I think just any time, you know, again, with the video games or concerts or 
uh, sports in general, anytime you go to things like that, that are such a positive, that there's such a great feeling and something that just is meant to be such a great day to have something like that kind of overshadow it is always tough to hear. And uh, again, as Hunter said earlier, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone out there that was affected both directly or uh, through association. And you hope that from now on, as we continue to go forward in this country and continue to go forward in general, that we can make these places safe and hopefully get to a point where all of these uh, events and things get back to a, a happy feel at the end of them. And I think a lot of times people say prayers up or they want to say they offer prayers, but really it doesn't go beyond the words. And I want to encourage every person uh, who's listening, regardless of what it is in your life, I think it's important to just take a moment. It can be 30 seconds. It can be a minute and actually offer up those prayers. It doesn't have to be anything complex. It can be something simple, just saying, you know, God, we're struggling with this. This is really difficult or somebody else is struggling. And if there's anything I can do, make that apparent to me. Please be with them. Please comfort them. And I think that that's all it really takes. It doesn't need to be a really long, drawn-out thing. It doesn't need to be complex. But just taking that moment out of your day to think about somebody, to offer up that prayer rather than just talk about it, really makes a big difference. And I think that if all of us can do that collectively, we'll be in a better place. Moving on to a little bit more exciting of a topic, and we're going to go into today's debate section. Last week, we talked about the Notre Dame uniforms Sadly, I, w- I moved to 0-3 in the debates with Clay taking the Twitter poll once again. You folks apparently did not like the Notre Dame uniforms, which I'm sad about. I still like the pinstripes. I'm going to remain a fan, but again, I follow 0-3. I was wishing that our podcast had just a little bit more national poll so that we could maybe get the uniforms banned, but I appreciate all those out there that supported me on Twitter and supported the cause to overcome really horrible uniforms in a time when we need great uniforms in Notre Dame football more than ever. (laughs) So this week's debate, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but we're going to talk about Khalil Mack a little bit here. For those of you who don't know, Khalil Mack is a multiple-time All-Pro. He's entering his fifth season. He's been an All-Pro as a defensive end and as an outside linebacker, so he's showed versatility in multiple defenses. And he wants a new contract extension, and it looks like he wants to be the highest-paid defender in football, making somewhere around 19 or $20 million a year, possibly in excess of that. The question is whether or not the Packers should make a move for him. The Packers are the only team in the NFL with two first-round picks in next year's draft, plus they have the rest of their draft picks. So they have the capital to try and make a move. If they did bring him in, they would then need to sign him to a long-term deal because he's made very clear that he will not play this year without a new deal. So those being the basic facts of it, Clay, what do you think? Should they do it? I mean... I was a huge fan of Matt coming out of college in the draft. I thought he deserved all the notoriety he got coming in as a high draft pick. You look at his stats over the four years, 16 games played, 16 games played, 16 games played, 16 games played. Every one of those is a start. He has started every single game that he has been in the NFL since his rookie season. He's averaged 76 tackles each year, gotten over 70 tackles combined in all four seasons he's averaging over 10 sacks over his four years now granted he only had four sacks his rookie year has 15 sacks his second year in the nfl and then has 11 and 10 and a half respectively the last two seasons so i think he has every right to feel as he does about being one of the best players in the nfl and i understand that he wants to get paid do i respect the decision no i think he, i wish he was playing right now i wish he was earning it a little bit more but i mean he's shown 
how versatile he can be, and he's shown that he deserves that kind of money. Like you said, making three straight Pro Bowls and being an All-Pro selection, uh, heading into his fifth year of his of his option contract with the Raiders. I think I think we can get him with the Packers. I've looked it over. Like you said, we have two first-round draft picks. We have the potential to do it, and with a guy like Aaron Rodgers as an All-Pro player, now is the time. We can't continue to put off trying to build this and say, oh, the future, the future. I think we need to make a move now. I think getting a guy like Khalil Mack is a game changer in the next year or two, couple years, and try to get a couple uh, Super Bowls while we have the chance. I guess I love the thought of having Khalil Mack. It would be tremendous. And I don't think it's impossible to have his contract, whatever it ends up being, and Aaron Rodgers' new extension. When Aaron signed that extension that he currently has, he became the highest paid player in football and at the time, Clay Matthews, who signed his deal either right before or right after, became the third highest defender in football. It's a little bit different when it's the highest paid player on both sides of the ball, but they probably could make it happen. I guess overall, though, I don't know how much they would have to give up. I expect they would have to give up both of their first-round picks. They would probably have to give up Clay Matthews or another high-paid player to try and make cap space this year to sign him. And you have to sign him if you make the trade. You can't trade him, risk losing all that capital and not getting anything in return. I just think that the risk-reward here about all you have to give up, including the money, the players, the picks, and then you need to bank on him accepting that deal and playing well, not getting hurt, all of the things. I think I would rather keep the picks, not take that risk, and then move out into the season and, and see how it goes. Yeah, and I think one of the trades I saw, again, these are all rumors and trade rumors on websites, but one of the trades that I saw that I think was the most likely, as Hunter said, was two first-round draft picks, and then it was one of our two backup quarterbacks, either being being Brett Hundley or Deshaun Kaiser. The Raiders have struggled with their backup quarterback situation, and if Carr were to go down again, they said that would be a piece that they would like to have. So we have those things right now. You never know the next time you have a chance at getting an all-pro, world-class, hopefully future Hall of Fame type player. We have two first-round draft picks we can have to get rid of for the first time in a while, and we have two backup quarterbacks that we can part ways with one of them. So I think now is the time. I know you said, is the risk worth the reward? And I think the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that from now on. That's fantastic. Um, but we'll, we'll put that on our Twitter page. Again, that's at the good fight pod. You'll be able to vote in the poll and we'll see who comes out on top next week. So again, it's not, do you want Khalil Mack? It's, is it a smart move for the Packers? So we'll see what that turns out. And we'll let you know about that on our next pod. Anyway, thanks for listening to us this week, signing off, and remember to run the race, keep the faith. And until our next time, fight the good fight.